Hey everyone, welcome to the show. So there's lots of updates to share about Donald Trump investigations and cases. First is news I wanted to share the other day, but Trump's indictment took a little bit of precedence. Um, according to a CNN exclusive report, District Attorney Fonnie Willis has text messages and other documents showing that Trump attorneys and other hired operatives work to access voting equipment in uh, the Caffey County, Georgia precinct prior to January 6th. We all knew that, of course, that these this equipment was breached on January 7th, but this is the first bit of evidence tying Trump's team directly to those crimes. CNN obtained some of these text messages and other communication, and it shows Trump allies were trying to gain access to this equipment in mid-December of 2020. One of the texts was allegedly sent by Coffee County election official Misty Hampton. She's one of the ones who was just indicted in Georgia. Hampton sent a, quote, written invitation to Trump attorneys to examine the voting systems in that county. The message was sent on January 1st of 2021. It was sent to an attorney named Catherine Fries. Fries was an attorney who was working with Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani and others, and she shared that invitation with the group. And then she also shared that invitation with convicted felon and former New York Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick. Carrick, as I mentioned previously, he was assisting Rudy Giuliani in the so-called election fraud probes. He is also one of the criminals who was pardoned by Trump in his final hours of his presidency. I guess we now know why. Um, the forensic data company named Sullivan Strickler, they were also included in this invitation. Um, and as I mentioned yesterday, I believe one of their employees is one of the 30 unindicted co-conspirators in that Georgia case. And in a January 1st group chat, so the same day that this invitation was sent um, with his colleagues, an employee in this group chat with his colleagues, an employee of Sullivan Strickler texted, quote, we were just granted access by written invitation to Coffee County systems, yay. And in regard to the Georgia indictment, Trump's chief of staff, uh, Mark Meadows, he just filed a request asking to, to move his case to a federal court. Meadows' argument is that he was just doing his job. He's saying, I, you know, I was just doing what Trump asked me to. And at the time, I was a federal employee. So, you know, my case can't be tried in a state court, even if it does go to, to court. Of course, you know, it seems a bit laughable to say, oh, I committed crimes as part of my job. <laughs> but, you know, a judge will have to decide on that and see if it has any merit. And Meadows, is clearly just doing this to try to get a more favorable jury. It's my understanding his case would still be tried by the Georgia district attorney, um, the, the Fulton County district attorney, but the jury pool would come from a wider area that's less liberal. As for Trump's other co-defendants, Rolling Stone is reporting that they're discussing ways to shut this case down. They've considered taking this matter to both the U.S. and the Georgia Supreme Court, and they say that they are considering arguing that the Georgia District Attorney 
doesn't have authority to charge a president for actions he took while in office. Now, from what legal experts are saying, this is unlikely to work. Uh, for one thing, some of the charges involve actions that Trump took after he left office. And then remember, Trump was impeached, but Republican lawmakers refused to remove him from office. And the argument that many of them made, including Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, was that let the legal system deal with it, right? We, we shouldn't deal with this. Trump is already out of office. After, you know, once he's gone, then the legal system can say whether or not he committed a crime. So if you can't charge a sitting president, because of that ridiculous DOJ memo that's never been tested in court, and you can't charge a former president, then basically what Republicans are saying is that presidents are above the law, regardless of whatever crime they may commit. So I wonder if that would apply to Joe Biden. Hmm? Anyway, their next plan of attack is to pressure Georgia lawmakers to completely revamp the state's pardon process. As it cur currently stands, the governor of Georgia can't pardon anyone. The matter has to go before a state board of pardons and parole. And with the RICO charge, if Trump and others are convicted of that crime, Georgia law requires five years in prison before they can be considered by the board for a pardon. Now, even if by some miracle, Georgia lawmakers change the laws, and they give the governor pardon power, it's unlikely that Governor Brian Kemp is going to pardon Trump in Georgia. Because following Trump's indictment this week, and then he had a subsequent meltdown on his failing social media site, Kemp tweeted out, quote, the 2020 election in Georgia was not stolen. For th nearly three years now, Anyone with evidence of fraud has failed to come forward under oath and provide anything in a court of law. Our elections in Georgia are secure, accessible, and fair, and will continue to be as long as I am governor. The future of our country is at stake in 2024, and that must be our focus. Um, Kemp posted that because Trump is claiming, you guys might have heard, he's going to share, quote, irrefutable reports or a report about the election in Georgia and election fraud next week. So, you know, nearly three years later after the election, he's finally going to release the Kraken. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, I hope Rudy has all of his hair dye on hand. I hope he's stocked up. Next up is new reporting about why the special counsel issued a warrant and obtained access to Trump's Twitter account. I refuse to call it X. If they refuse to call people by the um, pronouns that they want to be called by, I'm not going to call their, their companies by different names. Sorry, it's Twitter. It's always been Twitter. You can't just change it. Anyway, in newly unsealed uh, court documents, it was just revealed that the Justice Department was interested in Trump's private direct messages, his draft tweets, Trump's search history on Twitter, and his location when his tweets were published. It was also just revealed that none of Trump's now indicted co-conspirators were paid for the election fraud work that they did for him. Trump had a handshake agreement apparently with Rudy Giuliani 
and he stiffed him. And he's also never paid Sidney Powell, John Eastman, Kenneth Cheesebro, hasn't paid them a dime. Now it appears, you know, likely they're, they're going to be going to prison for a minimum of five years for the crimes they allegedly committed on his behalf. So didn't get paid. I would say, was it worth it? But clearly it was not. Um, and then speaking of losing, the judge in the hush money case, uh, the, the hush money to a porn star case, he has rejected Trump's request to recuse from that case. Trump's attorneys asked Judge Juan Mershon to step down from the case because the judge donated a whopping $15 to Biden before the 2020 election. They also claim that the judge showed bias against Trump in that Trump organization trial that he presided over. Also, apparently his daughter works for a digital marketing agency that works with Democratic candidates. So Judge Mershon considered the motion and said, no, computer says no. Um, again, it's funny, they don't have a problem with Trump appointed wildly inexperienced Judge Aileen Cannon, huh? Also, uh, Trump's request to move this case to a federal court has failed spectacularly. It just blew up in his face. Here is the deal on that. The federal court judge who was, who was hearing the arguments about this, um, he wrote in his opinion, quote, whatever the standard and whether it is high or low, Trump fails to satisfy it. Trump has not explained how hiring and making payments to a personal attorney to handle personal affairs carries out a constitutional duty. Reimbursing Cohen for advancing hush money to Stephanie Clifford cannot be considered the performance of a constitutional duty. Falsifying business records to hide such reimbursement and to transform the reimbursement into a business expense for Trump and income to Cohen likewise does not relate to a presidential duty. Trump is not immune from the people's prosecution in New York Supreme Court. Not only did the judge slap him down like that about what is and what isn't considered a presidential duty, the judge actually strengthened the district attorney's case by saying the DA doesn't even need to provide an underlying crime to bump these charges up to a felony. A lot of people have been arguing about this. They're like, oh, these are misdemeanor charges. How is he charging it as a felony? You know, 34 felony counts. This is bogus. He hasn't said what the underlying crime is that, that makes it, makes that leap to a felony. Well, this judge, U.S. District Judge Alvin Hellerstein, wrote, quote, the only elements are the falsification of business records, an intent to defraud, and an intent to commit or conceal another crime. The people need not establish that Trump or any other person actually violated New York or federal election laws. Trump can be convicted of a felony even if he did not commit any crime beyond the falsification, so long as he intended to do so or to conceal such a crime. So 34 felonies in New York where he cannot pardon himself, even if he becomes president again. Um, Trump is also trying to pause a civil lawsuit against him because of his recent indictments. 
the lawsuit that he's trying to pause was brought by the family of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick. It's the wrongful death lawsuit. And Trump's team is arguing that because some of the facts of that case overlap with the Georgia case and the federal coup case, he would be forced to assert his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination if he was to be deposed or if this goes to trial. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. And then on Friday of last week, you guys may or may not know, Judge Tanya Chutkin delivered her decision regarding Trump's freedom to speak about his coup case prior to the trial. She said she recognizes the need to uphold the First Amendment of you know free speech for Trump, but it is, quote, not absolute, and he, quote, must yield to the orderly administration of justice. And then she added, quote, if that means he can't say exactly what he wants to say about witnesses in this case, then that's how it's going to be. The judge also warned Trump and his attorneys that if she thinks that he's crossing the line into witness intimidation or prejudicing potential jurors, she's going to speed up the trial and she could revoke his pretrial release. So he could land in jail. And to ensure that he doesn't copy sensitive documents or private information of people, Judge Chutkin said Trump has to review evidence in the presence of his attorneys. She said he can take notes in private, but his attorneys have to review those notes afterwards to ensure compliance with these guidelines. And then Judge Chutkin told Trump's attorneys, quote, they cannot be left alone. Should the defendant need to leave the room, someone has to safeguard those materials. And certainly he can't carry them around with him. <laughs> I'm assuming she means in boxes to and from his different uh, golf courses. So the judge also ruled Evidence cannot be shared with, quote, volunteer attorneys or anyone else not directly employed by his attorneys. Um, she said that because that's what he wanted to do. And then the judge said no, because, you know, they could share it with other people. They're not bound by my rules. So the special prosecutor now will hand over 11.6 million pages of evidence. Plus, they have a hard drive full of data and they've requested a trial date of January 2nd of 2024. And it was just revealed today that Fonnie Willis in the Georgia case, she has now requested a court date of early March of 2024. So he is going to be hopping around from case to case. Um, her, her proposed date is like two days before the Iowa caucuses. I don't think it's gonna happen, but we'll see. And then in a recent filing, the special prosecutor said that the case isn't going to take, meaning this, you know, coup case, won't take longer than four to six weeks. Now, of course, Trump's team is trying to push it past the 2024 election. That is not going to happen with Judge Chutkin, uh, but we'll see how that shakes out. There will be a hearing, as you guys probably know, on August 28th to determine the date. So I will keep you posted on all of this, and I'm sure even more. Thank you all so much for watching and listening. Please like, please share, please subscribe, please donate if you possibly can. Links are below in the description box on YouTube and on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Love you all. Take care. I will talk with you soon.